Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Being in med- on the medication, I had zero sense of what was going on. Like, completely out of sometimes it. Sometimes all of this medication numbs you or changes your personality. Yeah. And sometimes you don't feel like yourself. Yeah. I had no personality, if I'm being honest. Like, I didn't. You don't right now either. Yeah. Oh, oh. So I'm kidding. <laughs> It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I am your big sister and your host, Violetta. I Do I say Violetta, Violetta? Violetta. Anyway, so today my special guest for Mental Health Month and closing the month is Mari Llewellyn, the founder of Bloom Nutrition, knows this all too well. Her journey to the top wasn't easy, but she preserved and created a thriving business. Also, you guys must have seen all of her pictures, all of her every single meme account that ever existed for her journey, how she lost, I think, over 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she also has a podcast that I just went on and it will come out in two weeks. So definitely check out, what is the name of your podcast? Pursuit of Wellness. That's right. So today we are going to be talking about the pursuit of wellness, mental health, how she has something also coming out soon this month and just everything in between. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. I want to first kind of dive into anyone who doesn't know you or doesn't know your personal story, you began to gain serious weight after adopting a partying lifestyle in college, correct? Yeah. There's kind of a lot of backstory to that. It Mm -hmm. wasn't kind of, if you want me to give a little bit more of an explanation, I can. So I grew up in the UK, moved to America when I was 10, and I have an interesting family dynamic. I'm from the UK, as I mentioned, and we kind of have a cold culture. We were talking about that on my show. So it definitely wasn't like a particularly affectionate, loving household. And I had a lot of issues with my mom specifically and kind of like an interesting dynamic. My parents divorced when I was a junior in high school. It was just the four of us living in the US. So It's not like we had any like grandparents, no aunts, no uncles. It was just the four of us. So us kind of all splitting ways was really kind of painful for me. So when I went to college, I was like, fuck everything. I'm getting out of here. I'm starting my own life. Like I was kind of mad. I was like pissed off at how things had gone down and definitely having a lot of mental health struggles. So I went to school and very much took on like a new persona. I decided this is where I'm going to make friends. I'm going to go to every party. Everyone's going to know who I am. I'm going to be a social butterfly here because in high school I was super, super shy. Like I wouldn't talk to anyone. 
So I went to college, had the time of my life, to be honest. Like I really partied my ass off. I met boys. I had so many friends. I knew everyone on campus. I like walked the line of being a really fun party girl and taking it too far constantly. Like I was blacking out regularly, doing things that I regretted, having meltdowns and things kind of gradually got worse and worse. So at fun, it was kind of, at first it was kind of all fun and games. And then, you know, I was on social probation. I was on academic probation. Things were kind of like piling up. And then eventually when I was a sophomore, junior, around that age in college, I had my first experience with self-harm. So I was in such a dark, painful place and really using partying and alcohol to escape that, that whenever I was alone and didn't have things to numb out the pain, I would use self-harm. What do you mean by self-harm? I would cut. So cutting was like, I have scars all up my arm, back of my legs, kind of depended on, you know, what was going on, but I would cut pretty severely. And then around that time I met my now husband, Greg, and he encouraged me to go to a psychiatrist. That psychiatrist immediately put me on medication, which I would like to say I'm not a doctor and I'm by no means anti-medication. I do think there's a time and place for it. Do I think I should have been put on mood stabilizers, antidepressants, anti-anxieties all at once and drinking? No. You were put on all of that? Yeah. And you're still drinking? Yeah. So I was fully blacking out because if you if you drink while you take that stuff you're blacking out yes so it was it was a bad time for me and I ended up dropping out of school I was a semester away from graduating and I had to drop out I was failing every class I gained a ton of weight also for the medication and the drinking that would make sense because that medication will make you want to eat things that you've never wanted to eat before like all of a sudden I was eating like breakfast sandwiches I was hungry all the time all fast food. So yeah, it really piled on. And it was largely because of my mental health issues that I didn't know how to deal with. So obviously, I wrote a lot of questions when it came to your challenges with your way and all that. But I think when we did, when we did the interview on your podcast with me, and you kind of talked about your mom issues. And now right now you talk about self harm. Do you mind if we kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah. With my mom, I keep it kind of vague. Totally. Because I'm worried that she will listen. No, of course. I understand that. But with self-harm and all that, 100%. So with the self-harm, what age did you start doing that? So the first time I self-harmed, I was, I want to say, 21 years old. What kind of made you finally take that step to do something like that versus just thinking thoughts? So my for anyone listening who doesn't know, my diagnosis is borderline personality disorder, BPD. And BPD is a trauma disorder. So you can be predisposed to have it genetically, but you have to have certain traumas happen in order for it to come up. So for a lot of people, it's sexual abuse. It can be childhood trauma, verbal abuse. It it can be a number of things that kind of make it happen. And BPD at the core is a fear of abandonment. It's a really painful, like it's hard to explain, but when I haven't felt these ways in a very long time because I've gone on this healing journey, but it used to feel like I was going to explode. Like the pain was so bad that I needed to do something to get it out of my head and like into reality. And self-harming was kind of like this release. Like it, it made me feel like, okay, I'm real. 
like in the pain, you kind of felt like you didn't exist anymore. And it kind of made you feel like grounded and back to reality. Obviously it's a super unhealthy and toxic way of dealing with it. I used to have a lot of shame and embarrassment. I actually never thought I would publicly say that I used to self-harm because, and when I say used to, I stopped probably a year ago. Like the last time I did it was probably a year ago. But the scars on my arm, like I used to edit them out of every photo. I still get a bit like nervous about having them on display. But now I kind of feel more like, wow, look what I went through than embarrassment. But yeah. No one knows what someone else goes through. That's A, until either you experience it, someone you love experiences it, or you still won't know. So it's always easier to judge other people. Well, I would never do that. Cool. Well, you're not me. Mm-hmm. So I thank you so much for sharing that. That's That makes a lot of sense where you're so, where you feel like you're not real. And then this makes you feel like, okay, I, I exist. I'm here because it's my skin. So I inflict physical pain on myself to deal with my emotional pain because yeah. emotional pain, psychological pain, that's, you can't touch it. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand. I mean, I do this thing, can't relate to your experience, but I, something completely more minuscule than that when in order to stop myself from ever showing emotions or crying because I grew up not allowed to express those type of emotions, I would put I put my fingernails into my skin mm. and that's how I'm able to stop from emo- feeling emotions because I feel that I inflict physical pain on myself and I still do it to this day without even realizing even if I'm at the dentist or the doctor and I'm scared of a shot or something like that, I like pinch my leg or go like this. Yeah, I think there's a lot of forms of self-harm that people wouldn't realize actually. Yes. Like even when you pick your skin or you- Yeah, eyelashes. Like, Yes, the eyelashes. Like people have various little like habits they do that are technically self-harm. I think a lot of people probably could relate. So with therapy, that all helped you kind of relieve yourself from self-harm. But then you said you finally stopped last year. So I think that's very important for other people to hear who are out there because a lot of times people think, well, I experienced depression a long time ago. It's never going to happen again. Or experienced I self-harm when I was a child. It's never going to happen again. And then they quote unquote relapse or they experience some type of emotion. They feel like they're going completely backwards, not realizing that this is normal. Sometimes you experience certain things and then you just have to get through it again. So I think, thank you for sharing that you experienced it so did you have a big gap between not self-harming yourself and then suddenly you got to a point again where this felt like home or felt familiar to you the last time I did it I was actually in a pretty healthy place like my life was going well my mental health was pretty stable for the most part I just was having I guess I call them episodes like if something were to really really trigger me and put me back in that place and I've I should say I've kind of designed my life now to avoid that like my my life now is pretty much set up. First of all, yes, I did a ton of inner work. Like I did DBT therapy. I did group therapy. I went on a fitness journey. I cut out alcohol and sugar and I really made big lifestyle changes. But also I work for myself now and I have my own businesses and I can make my own schedule and I can say no to things when I don't want to do them. And that has helped me create a life full of positivity. And I have conversations like this where I get to talk to really interesting, amazing people. And I get to be around people who I really admire. And that has helped my healing journey even further. But I guess like a year ago, if I were to be triggered or suddenly something comes up, it is kind of like a knee jerk reaction to 
go back to that. And I would have a lot of shame around it because I had been clean for six months or whatever. And I felt like I had ruined it. But I think learning not to spiral afterwards was huge for me. And I also, not that it really matters, but I wasn't cutting as severely. So I would do maybe like one or two and I'd be, oh my God, what am I doing? And kind of come to that realization faster and then not have guilt around it for the next week and then do it again because I feel so guilty. Like it used to kind of be this vicious cycle and now I'm able to break it, you know? Right, you're able to give yourself grace. Yes, exactly. What triggered it a year ago after you were clean for six months? I can't remember, it's difficult. That's the thing with these episodes. Like oftentimes when I would go to retell Mm -hmm. the story to my therapist or talk about it, I'd be like, I don't even know what happened. It was, usually it's a compilation of a lot of things so like something will happen at the beginning of the week let's say it's with work and then maybe I have a fight with my husband Greg because we fight marriage Uh, yeah no one wants to say that but we fight um and then something else would happen and then maybe I had an interaction with a family member that will usually do it for me uh (laughs) and then by Saturday it's like game over and also if I'm not doing therapy and I'm not prioritizing self-care and doing all the things I know that work for me that's when I'm more likely to get triggered so that's why I'm so intense about my lifestyle being a certain way okay understood it's interesting the words that we use and how we try to make sense of things like I said I was just saying this is what works for me we're like oh that's why I'm just so anal about this that's why I'm so intense about this or that's why I have to have a verse or the the feeling of the shame or normally I wouldn't talk about this or I didn't cut as deep I mean I don't need to explain myself but and it's it's insane you know when you're listening to someone else speak and you're saying all these things just to to sound normal to strangers when in reality you just you do what you need to do to get through yeah yeah and although I can't relate to your experience, I can empathize and I can listen. And and I'm sure a lot of other people out there, obviously I'm gonna have to give a trigger warning now for this episode, but I think a lot of people can relate. And obviously you don't fully remember what triggered that episode, but you say you didn't cut as deep. So what was kind of, how were you able to go through it mentally afterwards to kind of tell yourself, okay, I didn't cut as deep, tomorrow's a new day, or how, did, how were you able to then again go a whole year without doing that? I think the biggest difference is that I have so much self-value now. Back in the day when I was in college, I had no self-worth. You could tell by my actions, like the way I treated my body, the way I treated other people. I didn't have any sense of who I was back then. And I didn't care really what happened to me. Like, let's say I blacked out and got drunk somewhere and then woke up the next day. I had the feelings of shame and guilt, but I like didn't really value myself I didn't have I didn't really grow up again in a household where I was told that I was amazing and that I was loved and all these things so I didn't really know if anyone loved me and I definitely didn't love myself so now even seeing like what I used to do to myself is very difficult for me and like thinking about all the things I used to do because now I would never now now I have so much love for my body and the things I do and I like truly value who I am I think after cutting it's kind of like well Mari like you didn't deserve that like I truly believe that you know man that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. 
So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Shame is one of the worst emotions we can experience because we're, we're genuinely just puni- punishing ourselves. That's the one area we don't give ourselves grace. So how do you deal with emotions of shame? Is it just talking to yourself and reminding yourself that you're a sweet person or feeling sorry for your younger self? Like, what do you do when you feel that emotion? I would say shame is something that I still have nuggets of in of my life it's hard yeah I think okay so I have an example in college I had a group of friends we were in the same sorority we would go out together we would party together like we definitely fueled each other's like wildness and you know there were parts of who I am now but I wasn't fully who I am now now I greatly appreciate all the relationships I have and really value those but when it came to my health journey I was kind of at a point where I was like okay I can't really be friends with these people anymore because I was completely changing my life. Like I was not drinking. I wasn't going out. I moved home. It's hard to relate to people when you, your hobbies start to change. It's hard to relate. And then I kind of felt pressured. Yeah. I was like, well, they still want me to be the Mari that they knew. So they want me to be the Mari they still know. So I kind of felt like I needed to create some separation. And I look back and have a lot of shame about the way that I did that because I just would ghost people. Like I would just block them and not talk to them because it was easier than having a hard conversation. As of You were re- also in your 20s, early 20s. Yeah. We have to give ourselves more grace. It's insane when I talk to different people how much guilt we hold on to about things that we didn't know any better until we knew better. Exactly. And honestly, it's, I still had a lot of shame around that until recently I met with one of my friends from the group and we've kind of rekindled our friendship and being able to say, I'm so sorry for the way I handled that. This is what I was going through and have her kind of like be like, it's okay. Like we all, you know, whatever. And kind of confirm that was really healing for me. And it kind of like let me actually have some peace with that situation. And then also therapy because doing the inner child work, I struggle with it so much. I don't know why, but whenever I try to do the visualizations, she'll basically ask me to get back into like my 10 year old body. And and I know. I hate that. That's hard for me. I don't want to do it. And every every time I do it, I dissociate. I can 100% relate to that. I'm even, I'm writing a a dating book, mental health and dating book. And in the book, my agent made a comment, Violetta, nowhere in the book do you kind of old talk about yourself. Like, who is this person that's giving all this advice? And me, when I had to go back to give this advice, it, I literally had to sit there and I said, I don't want to talk about this old girl. Like, that was the old me. Like, she was a loser. She was this and this. And suddenly I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not giving grace to my younger self. Like, I'm judging her even though reality, she is the reason I am the woman that I am today. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing where I don't want to relive who I was when I was 10, 12, 14. 
it's you painful. Should. You should. You should be nice to her. She deserves it. Exactly. And I, I don't know about you, but I kind of create like an identity separation between who I am now and that girl. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't even me. Like literally when I would talk about it, it would be as if it was someone else. So in therapy, we're kind of trying to bridge that gap between old me and new me, because I think that is also healing. And in order to do that, you need to have grace for the things that you did. What advice would you give your your 10-year-old self? Stop apologizing. Aww. Embrace who you are. No one's looking at you. I like that one from you. Um, Not no one's looking at you. No one's thinking about you. Right, no one cares. You, yeah, no one's thinking about you the way you're thinking about yourself. People care a lot less about you than you think they do in a way that, not that no one cares about you, but in a way that they're not talking shit about you and they're not noticing all the embarrassing things you're doing. Yeah, and also just to, to embrace being a kid and have fun. Yeah. Because I feel like I was a really anxious child and really like nervous of, I was very hypervigilant. I still kind of am. Me too. Like I overread facial expressions. I am like- oh, I don't do that. Do I have no social that? cues. <laughs> Thank God. It used to be such a problem, but now I'm so thankful for it. I think that's how I was able to overcome the social anxiety by going to parties by myself and things like that. Because I genuinely don't have social cues. Interesting. I don't know. I, in, in my accounting firm, they had to get, write me up for Violetta doesn't know when the conversation is over. Violetta doesn't know when to leave the room. Like we'd be at the partner's office and the, everyone's finished talking. They're leaving and I'm just standing there like. Maybe that's why you have a great podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but our pain is our purpose. I've always yeah. said that. I really think the things that we are the worst at and the things that bring us the most pain end up being our purpose in the, in the long run. I think the most beautiful thing is if you can take your flaws and your pain and make it your strength. Like I interviewed a long time ago last year, Robert Greene, and his biggest weakness growing up was that he wasn't a social butterfly. He was a shy, timid person. So he took his quote unquote weakness and he made it his strength by sitting back and observing people, learning people, studying people. That's how he was able to write some of the most popular books out there by learning others. Mm -hmm. So you take your weaknesses and like, you know, everything that you went through and you make it your strength. You created your business from it. You you have a podcast now. You're the successful personality woman that other women can look up to. I mean, hopefully we'll, if we have time, we can get into PCOS as well. But I would have at least one other question that I was really interested in. What were, aside from the French, you know, having to give up your friends and having to give up your party lifestyle, what would you say some of the other biggest challenges that you face in overcoming your personal health issues? And how did you stay motivated to keep going? I feel like I was someone that was okay with living a mediocre life. Like genuinely. I like that. Yeah. Like when I was that age, I was okay with being average. Average in school, average, just average in everything. Like I didn't have big aspirations for myself. Didn't even really think about it. I couldn't really think past the day I was in. Because I think because I was in so much pain all the time, I was just trying to survive. I was kind of in survival mode. And I kind of just thought I'd end up working at a pet store, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I loved animals. I was like, maybe I'll just do that. I didn't really ever think I'd be wealthy. I didn't think I'd be successful. I didn't think I would be any of the things that I am now. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely had limiting core beliefs. I know that term now because of therapy. So that was difficult to overcome because I think when you want to make a change in your life you kind of need to believe that you can get there so 
When I left school, I came off all the medication, cold turkey. I'm not recommending anyone do that. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, doing that cold turkey is really bad. I've done that when I was younger with my antidepressants as well because I wasn't aware of how that would affect me. It's rough. You have to basically detox. Like it's in your system for almost a year after. So came off cold turkey and it was really, really painful. And I went through really weird symptoms. Have you ever heard of when you come off medication, a certain medication, you can inherit shoplifting tendencies. Like you can have like uh, random impulsive urges. So when I came off medication, I started shoplifting and I've never in my life stolen anything. Well, I mean, it would make sense with the, based on your disorder that you have, what is it called? BPD. BPD. Mm Mm-hmm. Based on that, it would kind of make sense, the urgency to want to get that high. I mean, based on the things, whatever I was diagnosed as a child, I shoplifted. Really? And it's because it's the thrill and the adrenaline and just not thinking, not having no social cues. And yeah, I used to shoplift when I was a child, definitely. I never did as a kid. Until I got caught. Yeah. As a kid, I was terrified of everything. And then all of a sudden coming off this medication, I went through a shoplifting phase for like three months and I got caught doing it. It was awful. And that's one thing that I have like such guilt around still. Wow. Because it's just so not my character. But anyway, went through that. Coming off the medication really allowed me to be back in reality. Being on the medication, I had zero sense of what was going on like completely out of it sometimes all of this medication numbs you or changes your personality and sometimes you don't feel like yourself i had no personality if i'm being honest like i didn't right now either yeah oh oh so i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) um sorry i'm just kidding (laughs) okay well thank you so much for having me i have to go i I couldn't help myself no it was i lined that up well you're great um so (laughs) right when we right when i started my wellness journey or the reason i started is i was back in reality having a lot of pain kind of realizing that my life was headed nowhere and i wanted to take control of the one thing that i could and i felt like i didn't have a job i wasn't at school let's get my health in order And I was dating my now husband, Greg, still, and he's a bodybuilder. So he was working out like twice a day, chicken and rice. And I'd always just felt like it's kind of weird. Like I I didn't really feel connected to it. I was like, okay, that's cool that he does that, but I want nothing to do with it. He never pushed it on me either. I really kind of like found it on my own. And I was like, I really want to try getting healthy. Because at this point I was having like, I mean, I was eating. But I like what you're saying. And I think I went through that a while back as well, where I'm such a control freak or whatever issues that I have. And sometimes I need to feel like I'm in control. So when I have no control over anything in my life, then I clean my house. Like I have to always clean my house. And when I clean my house, I'm like, at least I have control over this. It's the same thing you went through where you have no control of what's happening tomorrow, but you can at least have control over your body and what you're putting in your body and how you're treating yourself because- we don't realize how much our mental health is connected to our physical health and to our emotional health. Like all of that is together. And it's not just by your diet with your friends, by cutting people out who don't work for you. It's also your diet, what you put in your body. It's also your diet with the words you talk to yourself. It's also your diet with the people you surround yourself with. It's also your diet with how you choose to live your life. It's So I think sometimes people look at diet culture, quote unquote, 
and they can look down at it or they disagree, but they don't realize how everything actually correlates and comes together. 110%. I completely agree. And it it was a control thing. And I think people will take that out of context and make it sound negative and make it sound like I was like, I don't know, had an eating disorder or something, which thank God I didn't really have too much of an issue with but it gave me a feeling of control that I needed everything about my life was a disaster and teaching myself about nutrition and fitness gave me something to work a purpose it gave me something to work towards it probably was the first time in my life I ever truly had a passion or a goal to be honest which is kind of weird to say but I became obsessed with optimizing my entire life I became obsessed with feeling good eating good not just like calorie counting. That wasn't what it was about for me. It was about where are the ingredients coming from? What's the reaction my body's having? So for example, with a mood disorder, me having venti iced coffees with milk and sugar was probably a fucking awful idea because I was putting myself on a spiral of mood swings the whole day. So I cut that out, switched to matcha. Okay. High protein is making me feel satiated and full and it's helping me balance my mood healthy fats. Omega-3s are amazing for your brain. I'm going to incorporate more of those. Weightlifting is making me feel like I can do hard things. That was huge for me. Showing up every day, even if it wasn't the best workout or if I just like cried and left, which happened a couple of times. Showing up for myself, keeping my own promises completely changed the way I viewed myself because I was building that confidence. And then the weightlifting, like literally picking up heavy shit and putting it back down again, can it just makes you feel powerful right and I think all of those things together staying committed to it completely just like it helped me find out who I am yeah that's amazing what exactly and I think I think that is something really cool about that thing where you suddenly feel like you have a purpose and that becomes your obsession and you're so focused on that that you don't notice all the other stuff in the background that you paid attention to before how long did it take you to go through the your weight loss of losing 70 pounds and becoming also mentally healthy yeah physically healthy so I feel like the mental part is like a forever thing mental you're right mental part is a forever (laughs) thing so physically how long did it take you when you were so obsessed with your purpose and you were doing all that which was helping your mental state and your emotional state you were also happening to lose weight so how long did it take you to shed those 70 pounds nine months i did it really fast but i have to say i was very focused on one thing i wasn't really like doing much else at that point in my life like now i could never commit to fitness the way i did back then right but it was all i did so i lost 70 pounds in nine months so i was 250 pounds to start sorry i'm so shocked really (laughs) yeah i'm actually shocked by that okay so that's insane yeah that's crazy it took me 10 months to lose 10 pounds (laughs) but you also have pcos right what can we dive into that though because i do want to obviously for you to talk about bloom nutrition and also you have something happening at air one this month but i think the reason i suddenly decided to divert away from all the questions that i have for you was because for many people who do follow you and know your journey it's pretty known how what a big advocate you are for fitness and nutrition, all that. So I thought it was would be really cool when we, when we first did your podcast earlier today and I got to know you better. I thought it would be really cool to see another side of you where it's your kind of why you went through this journey. Because yeah. a lot of times we're so focused on the physical, oh, this person just wants to be skinny versus, oh, I was dealing with this disorder. I didn't know who, who I am. I was cutting myself. I wasn't okay emotionally. I thought I was okay being average. I didn't think I deserved better. 
And then you went through this whole journey because it gave you a purpose and it brought you to who you are. Like, I think that's so fascinating to me personally. Thank you. I appreciate it. More than how many calories should I count today? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, that's the thing. I think everyone sees my transformation photo, which like in terms of marketing back then and getting attention, that's kind of what you needed to do. But then I think people see that photo and they're like, oh, she's a weight loss girl. All she cares about is fitness. All she knows is weight loss. When I think of that journey, to me, it was all mental. Like it was, I didn't even really care that much about losing weight. I would literally was like, I just want to be a strong person because I literally wasn't like functioning well in society I wasn't like showing up for myself the way I wanted to so for me it was all mental no I completely understand it was kind of when I lost myself and I created daddy issues and Mm -hmm. although it was anonymous it was it gave me a purpose for the first day I got to wake up in the morning and I was actually happy to wake up instead of wishing I can go back to sleep because at least I knew I can just you know make people laugh I can grow this account and that was my obsession again just like you I didn't even care about the the following growing Mm -hmm. it was more about just posting another thing okay how to make this go viral how do I do this and it was just tunnel vision I feel like you know when you're onto something yes like not just like business success or following or whatever it is it's like I'm figuring out who I am and I'm chipping away at like right all the limiting beliefs I've had about myself and that's when you get obsessed Yes. So aside from VPD, you also have PCOS, which is something I recently briefly talked about when I was going through my egg retrieval process. And I also talk about this, my PCOS on your podcast, your episode comes out in two weeks. So right now, do you mind kind of, and all PCOS comes in different levels. It's different for many women. So your PCOS is different than mine because we found this out. My PCOS is that I have high estrogen. Your PCOS is that you have high testosterone. Mm -hmm. So what does that entail? So I have to say this is a new discovery for me because- Me as well. Yeah. I (laughs) never like, I haven't really talked about having PCOS partially because I think the diagnosis in itself is a little bit like stigmatized and I feel like it's being thrown around a lot. And I think at the end of the day, and I'm not a doctor again, but PCOS is kind of just like a bag of symptoms. Right. It's like you're having a hormonal imbalance, you're having issues with your period, your acne, like all of it kind of is like a bunch of symptoms. And I sometimes feel like when they say you have PCOS, it feels like you kind of panic because you're like, oh my God, can I not have kids? It makes you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. And I do think that there are certain lifestyle changes and natural ways that you can work your way out of it. But I've been on a hormone journey lately and I did all these tests. I did seven different tests, 
One of them is called a Dutch test, which I highly recommend to anyone listening who wants to figure out their hormone levels. You basically spit and pee in little containers all day long and it tracks your hormones throughout the day because hormones pulse in and out at different moments and it shows you how your levels are doing at different parts of the day along with your cortisol. So through doing that, I saw that I have obscenely high (laughs) testosterone, really low estrogen. What does that mean when you have high testosterone? I guess like more of the male hormones. So, so like is it extra hair and things like that. Yeah, extra hair. I read about PCOS when they have the extra hair. I would understand why I don't have that. And then it's because I have the high estrogen, which Got means it. the weight gain and the acne. Yeah, well, I have the acne too. So we love oh. that. Acne just is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my acne recently started to go away when I started to care more about my diet. Yes. Oh my God. So that's I thought huge. that was interesting. That's 10 huge. months, 10 months, finally, I have less acne on my chest and on my back, which I talk about your podcast. So for you, the high testosterone, you experience then hair growth, acne, and you also, with PCOS, you're having trouble getting your period. Yeah. So I came off birth control about a year, a little under a year ago now. And my period never came back. And I was shocked because I've always had a normal period. And that's where I learned this term post-pill PCOS. So I was screened for PCOS back when I was younger and I did not have it. So I've always thought that I didn't have it. But apparently it's something that you can inherit. I don't know what the right word is. You can kind of, uh, like after being on the pill for a long time, you can get it. So post-pill PCOS, I'm struggling to get my period back, which I'm doing certain things for. So I'm doing acupuncture. Right. I heard that. Yeah. I'm doing acupuncture. I am taking various supplements for hormonal health. So like licorice root, spearmint tea is good for it. You want to watch out for like uh, refined sugars. So glucose spikes can harm your hormones. There's all these different things you can do, but it's a long journey and it's very frustrating because you can't really see what's going on. You're like, well, when when am I going to get my period back? For a year now, you don't have your period. Yeah. When you don't get your period, does that mean that you're not ovulating? I guess so. So I would really like- So that's why a lot of people with PCOS also struggle with getting pregnant? Yes. Exactly. I believe so. So I've talked to a few people about this because it's becoming very common that people come off the pill and don't get their period back. And it's all women my age. I'm 29. They want to have kids. They come off the pill and they don't have a period. And I think the birth control pill is being used as a band-aid in a lot of cases, but also we're being put on it without understanding the repercussions. And now everyone's noticing all these health issues. People are having a hard time getting their period back. People aren't able to have kids when they want to have kids. So I think that's something that we should be speaking about. So you've been considering get uh, doing going through the egg freezing stuff. And they that was interesting because they told you that they can actually help you trigger your period. So that would be interesting. I wonder what that means. So yeah, I guess you and I have PCOS differently because I did get my period after getting off birth control, but it was just extremely painful. And now I feel all the hormones. I feel the acne. I feel the pain. It, it feels so bad the first day or two. I, I'm so jealous. Right. But I love to feel the pain. No, but, but I, I didn't you. even know yeah. that that's a possibility. Getting off birth control, that may not get my periods. And I thought my symptoms were bad. So it's always interesting when you talk to someone else that has something similar, but their symptoms are completely opposite or different. Like yeah. I didn't even know that it can also be this type of way. So I think it's very helpful for all women out there who are listening and are 
experiencing all these various symptoms. So how are you dealing then with your PCOS? So you explained that the, the few things that you're doing acupuncture and the few things that you're taking for it. Supplements. Supplements. There's a lot of TikTok creators now who actually post about hormonal healing, like Gracie Norton is one of them. And she speaks about the changes she made to her lifestyle. A lot of doctors or naturopaths, I have a naturopath, would say no super intense workouts. So no HIIT training. I weight train, but I have like toned back the amount of like HIIT training, like a Barry's style boot camp workout, probably not the best for your hormones. Stress. Every single doctor I've seen has told me that I'm chronically stressed and I need to do something about it. And that's the one thing that I don't know how to control. I'm one of the healthiest people I know. Everything I eat is healthy. I don't drink any anything. It is stressful though when they say it's affecting your health because you're stressed and then you're stressed because of your health. Yeah, dude. I'm like, <laughs> well, what the fuck? Like now yeah. I'm even more stressed. I have my own business, Bloom Nutrition, not to bring it up in this negative way, but it, you know, obviously being a business owner, you're on all the time. Right. And I have a podcast now. I work a lot and I love working. I love what I do. And I think that's partially the problem is I kind of use it as a coping mechanism. So I need to slow down. Meditating is amazing. In general, like slowing down and less stress, less cortisol is going to be better for your hormones. What's one thing that you want people to know about you or your work that they might not know otherwise? I think one thing I'd want people to know about me that they may not is like kind of how deeply I take everything. I think maybe on a surface level, if you were to look at my Instagram or my business, it's difficult to understand who I am. Maybe if they, they listen to my podcast, they have a better idea, but like I'm deeply dedicated to everything that I do and to my mission in general, I guess. Like I didn't start a podcast to make money. If it were up to me, I wouldn't monetize it at all. I want to talk about health and wellness. And I, I want to spread the message because it truly changed my entire life. That's your mission? Yeah. Your I mission love it. in life is to spread awareness to the things that you didn't know when you were younger. Yes. I love talking about it. I love learning. I love getting it out there. And my followers are not just in LA. They're in Kansas. They're in Texas. They're in Florida. They're all over the place. And they may not have the same access that we have here. We have an ear one down the street. We have green juices everywhere. We have all this, you know, whatever. I think that people everywhere deserve to have the knowledge that we have. Having the conversations that I have on the podcast right. are like one-on-one -on -one appointments with the best people in the world. And they're so good at what they do. And I, I want other people to hear that conversation. And when we started Bloom, it was because I didn't have a supplement that I felt good about taking and tasted good and was easy to incorporate. So everything that I do is because I know what it's like. When did you start Bloom? I started Bloom January, 2019, but we were sampling products all of 2018, my husband and I. So we started it together. What do you guys currently have available? Oh, we have a lot of products now, but I think what we're most known for and what people see online is our greens. That's our best-selling product. Which you brought me some. Brought you some, of course. Thank of you. Of course. Yeah, you can take hey, it I'm with- I'm trying to be healthier. You can take it with the Celsius and the Adderall. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will off, It will offset the Celsius. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. It's basically a superfood powder that's full of organic fruits and veggies, prebiotics, probiotics, superfoods, antioxidants. Like if you look at the ingredient label, it has all the good stuff. So it helps with digestion, bloating, but it tastes oh. really good. And you put in your smoothie? 
You can put it in your smoothie. You can just put it in water. Oh, cool. Orange juice. It tastes pretty good on its own. We have people that like absolutely. I mean, the flavors are really, really good. We've got coconut, mango, citrus, berry, and original. It is crazy though how much mentally you feel about yourself when you take control of your body. It's, it makes the biggest difference. Like what I, you, you are what you eat. Yeah, I really thought I would be so miserable and sad when I had to cut out late night eating, which was my favorite thing to ever do of my life. But because of my PCOS, getting off birth control and gaining weight, and I was just feeling so tired all the time and I was gaining weight. And then when I cut that out, I thought it would be hard. And then my acne started to disappear and I stopped having nightmares every single night and I started to have more energy during the day. Once you feel the benefits of making those changes and valuing the things you put in your body, it becomes easy. You also have something coming out this month at Air One. So if anyone is near an Air One, what do you have coming out? We have Mari's Bloom Bowl coming Ooh. to air one it's the first ever bowl collab so they do a ton of smoothies you've probably seen the smoothies it's their first bowl collab and it's with my matcha so mari's matcha it's a ceremonial grade 100 organic matcha mixed in so it's a green base that has like mango in it i don't want to give too much away i was going to give the whole thing away but just it, now. It, it's coming oh it's coming out what's the date which may date? 15th so, so it just came out three days ago and it's in honor of mental health month bloom our company is all about blooming into your best self so i am donating 100 percent of bloom's proceeds to a mental health foundation called the brain and behavior research foundation they research bpd and you know those like charities that like they don't really donate their money to the right place or they like right. use it as profit mm -hmm. it's not one of those they're legit Perfect. they do real research and they make a big impact specifically with BPD so I really wanted to work with them and yeah you can go get the bloom bowl at air one right now oh my god okay perfect amazing so it's delicious if you're next in air one I'll make sure to do it today after this episode airs and is there anything else that you feel like I didn't ask you that you want to add no do you have any compliments for me I'm kidding that's not what yeah I ready <laughs> I gave I gave them all to you at the beginning. Uh, I'm totally joking. Um, <laughs> do you have any advice out there for women who are currently listening? What would you say one of the best advice you've ever gotten that you still carry with yourself today? Don't wait for the perfect time. I'm a big believer in just start now, whether it's a business, whether it's changing your life, whether it's a project, like whatever it may be, there is never going to be a perfect moment. The stars are never going to align in a perfect way. No one's going to come give you permission. You can only really give yourself permission. You deserve it and you deserve the change you want and you you should start right now. Actually, as you're listening to this podcast, you should start whatever you want to be doing. I agree. And it's funny, earlier this month, Jay Shetty kind of, one of the best advice he's ever gotten, something similar to that, where he said, open as many doors as possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah, on the way, some doors are going to keep closing, but more doors will open. And so I like that. It is true. Because we're always like, well, I want to start this, but maybe once this happens or this happens versus just try. Yeah, exactly. Just try. Yeah. Okay. Where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Mari Llewellyn, M-A-R-I-L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. My podcast is The Pursuit of Wellness and our company is Bloom Nutrition. It is at 
Bloom Sups on Instagram. And definitely go to Air One to check out her Bloom Bowl. Yes. And I will have all the information in the description uh, bio of my episode. So you can definitely check her out. Make sure to follow her. Make sure to listen to her podcast because I will be on her podcast the end of this month. And it's a really good episode. So thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Bye, guys. Bye.